It says we're live. Hello, welcome along to An Englishman in San Diego with myself, Leonard Sultana. It's a cup of tea Sunday. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Um, this is a weekly hangout where we talk San Diego Comic Con uh, as we get closer and closer to uh, this year's con. Um, I'm trying to remember how long we're talking now. Is it 38 days to go? I think someone's going to have to correct me yes. on this one. Yes, 38 days and 8 hours. Oh, so <laughs> San Diego Comic Con. It is the 15th of June, and uh, this is live at the moment. But, of course, you can watch us on YouTube. Uh, the links will be down in the description below. And, of course, you can listen to the SoundCloud um, and uh, iTunes podcast uh, of this after we've finished on air. Do click subscribe. I'm going to put the link in the corner of the screen now. Right. Quick introduction again, my name's Leonard. Uh, I organize this hangout every week to talk about San Diego Comic Con and also discuss the week's news leading up to this year's con. However, this week uh, is going to be a little bit different because we have ourselves a bit of a special guest. Um, what I try and do on another series of videos I run uh, called Icons of Con is where we talk to um, figures that uh, go to San Diego Comic Con as attendees and special guests. Um, so this is going to be kind of a mini one of those folded into this week's cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. Um, we'll quickly run through our guests who have joined us, um, so at least you know who you can uh, contact and ask any questions of the people that you follow. First and foremost, we have ourselves uh, Alyssa from the Friends of CCI.com forum. Hello, Alyssa. How are you? Good morning. Uh, indeed, good morning for yourself because uh, yes, yeah, it's uh, five thirty in the afternoon here in the but uh, yes, 9.30 for yourself. Good morning to you. Uh, we have ourselves Violet from Gender Bias Reviews. Hello. Uh, Hello. Uh, Violet, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are plans for Comic-Con going? Is it, um, um, is it starting to... Yeah, we need to get going on that. Uh, <laughs> you, you, looking, looking slightly frazzled. That's fine. Uh, we've got something we're going to talk about uh, with yourself uh, a little bit later on in the show because I do know that you are very much a uh, Doctor Who fan. So, yes, there is going to be some Doctor Who news coming up later on. And we are being joined by Rob Shuttleworth. Hello there, Rob, from the Futon Alliance. Hello, how are you? Hello. I'm doing very well this morning. No complaints. Glad to be here. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Right, which leads me on to then our special guest. Um, this is Kieran Gillen. Hello there, Kieran. Hello. I'm just being modelled. I'm basically modelled obsessed by seeing what my face is doing uh, in that kind of like. So I'm not actually having a stroke. It's very much the. It's like whenever actually everyone on a con panel, they have the big screens beside them, and I, I, I at some point always realise I'm on the screen and kind of very visibly start and then disturbedly watch myself bob, bob back and forth. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I apologise. It's very nice to be here. I'm Kieran Gillen. Um, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, uh, yes. The reason why I've invited you onto the um, the hangout today is because um, you have been to Comic Con as an attendee because you are the a very recognised uh, creator of some damn fine work, sir. If people somehow don't know who on earth you are, who is Kieran <laughs> Gillen and what do you do? Are you sure you haven't confused me with Karen Gillen? I mean, you, you, you wouldn't be the first. Uh, it's like Doctor Who was mentioned. I mean, she'd be quite, oh no, if she thinks I, I wear a wig when I'm on stage. <laughs> I'm, I'm Kieran Gill. I'm, I'm primarily a writer of comics. I've been doing it for like 2006 in, in terms of any book worth a damn. 
and I come from the indie, come from an indie background, books like Phonogram and uh, mainly Phonogram, <laughs> and then I worked a lot for Marvel, uh, where I've written books like Uncanny X Men and Iron Man and Four and Junior's Mystery and Young Avengers and a lot more. Uh, and I also do my own stuff like Uber and the forthcoming Wicked Divine. So basically, I just write a lot of comics and talk about them and stay inside at all times. Well, I mean, you're, you're kind of... I know that we're interrupting you kind of today because you are working on issue two of uh, Wicked Divine. Is that right? Yeah, it's, like, it's one of those things where it, the goes to press tomorrow night, so it's that kind of pulling stuff around and making sure polishing. And it's that kind of, I have so much stuff to do, the idea of actually taking 20 minutes out to talk, uh, to do anything which isn't that is very appealing. Uh, so I thank you for that opportunity in a real way. Not a problem at all. Not a problem at all. Well, I mean, the reason why um, we asked you along today is as a San Diego Comic Con attendee in the past. Um, did you go to San Diego Comic Con as a fan first, or were you invited across the pond as an established writer? Oh no, it's like I actually, uh, my, I never actually had a chance to. Any American con before I had Phonogram out, which is weird because you know, especially that period, I was quite um, broke. I had very little money. I was like a very much an indie kind of journalist guy. Uh, so the and the first San Diego we paid for. In fact, I don't think I've ever been to San Diego and been as a guest. I mean, I've got in for free, but I've never certainly never had anyone pay me to be there uh, or pay my flights, which is always nice. <laughs> uh, but uh, so yeah, I've kind of always gone to San Diego on my own dollar, and I went for like. Five years from 2006 to 2011, like every year. Um, so it's like I never really had a chance to be a fan. So every time I've always been there, I've been uh, in the complete hysteria. And, and I'm also there trying to earn money in that kind of like very much sitting behind a table. And I see rather than going around the con, my main experience is sitting behind a table and seeing the con go past me, like a very slow moving reality TV show. Um, <laughs> You know, and it really is that kind of experience. And across the five days, the idea of you being this incredibly intense environment, it is by day four you're delirious. You know, you really are. I mean, I've, I've sort of ended up shout, uh, sort of heckling people and telling them stories about random indie pop stars I've, I've sat on a train in London with. Uh, and why why would they ever need to know? I mean, the um, so yeah, it's, it, there's always at least some story of like complete nervous breakdown. The year when um. We were by a booth and they were playing a 30 second loop of the Iggy Pop Teddy Bears record. And it was literally, literally 30 seconds across the entire five days. Uh, and that was like that was like genuine torture stuff. It went, it kind of, it, this bit, all you could do was hear it. There was times it just, you, your mind removed it and it kind of moved up and down in your head throughout there. And it was um, a unique and magical experience. If I ever meet Iggy Pop, I'll probably just immediately go for his throat. Uh, <laughs> You know, and there's and there's a year I lost my voice. You know, uh, so I'm going into random stories. Apologise. Uh, the year I lost my voice, which was like the year, the second year was there. So Phonogram was about to come out in the first year, and the second year was my first time. We had, a, you know, it, it was like a, an indie hit. So a lot of people came to see us, and a lot of people tried to buy, wanted to buy the book off us. So I was talking all the time because Jamie, the guy, I generally do stuff with Jamie McKelvey. He doesn't do, talk ever. Uh, so I'm like always forced into the motor mouth role. Uh, so I, by, by the my voice is a bit iffy by Saturday morning. By Saturday night, it is gone. It is 100% gone. And I, it's like when I meet Grant Morrison that night in the hotel bar, I can't literally can't say a word. Uh, <laughs> and it's not like speechless fanboy. It's that kind of literally can't say a word. And it's what Fraser Irvin introduced me. Um, and they went immediately up, hello, etc. You know, or wave in my case. 
Uh, and they went on to talk at length about how music can be done in comics, which is kind of my specialist area. So the idea of actually sitting with a conversation I'm, I'm uniquely made for <laughs> and, and not being able to say anything was an amazing torture. And actually, I could speak if I took a tiny sip of whiskey. That was the only time. It was, and that, of course, eventually causes other problems. Oh, <laughs> and the next day, I'm selling comics, and I actually work out a way to do it by hand gestures. As in, I basically do a series of eight cards and move between them and read, read it, point at things, and like explain. However, uh, and I sell just as many on that day as any other day. And it's like <laughs> some, somebody has a video of it somewhere, and I don't think it's ever found its way online. But it was kind of a. Yeah, that, that's my, my, one of my favourite magical sort of psychosis moments. <laughs> anyway, that's a brief... Yeah, San Diego, it's, it, every year I went to it, it was crazy. And, uh, and it was... And so you, you went from 2008? So. You went from 2008? Yeah, no, 2006 was my first one. 2006. Have you, did you ever learn? <laughs> and then to kind of <laughs> dial it back and just... Uh, I, must, I must get back. My pictures over the years, I've said it so many times, I've, I've kind of nailed it to... A, quite a science to phonogram and it's always quite interesting when I have a new book to talk about I don't know what to say um, but yeah I, I've never ever lost my voice I'm lying I did that in New York last year my, my voice went to New York uh, not quite as bad but it was kind of I was shouting quite a lot mm. I'm not bad I mean, I've certainly, I know other creators who are worse than I am like, there's an amazing artist a British artist called Emma Vachelli and even on three day cons she loses her voice uh, so <laughs> you know I'm, I'm relatively hardy well, I mean, it, you not only um, man a booth at Comic Con, uh, at, certainly at some cons and uh, most recent cons, or the, the most recent cons you do, you also host and compare um, and moderate panels as well. So um, it must be interesting to kind of have that moment when you're um, talking about your own specific um, product or your your book, and then sort of like take taking yourself out of the equation and involving other people as well, and still not trying to lose your voice. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, got, it's, it's probably got hot. I mean, when, especially when my Marvel career kicked off. I mean, the last few American cons I've done, which are kind of post going to San Diego, um, they're aware that I'm on a... It's like my last year's C, C2E2 I went to, and that was berserk in terms of, like, I went from signing to sign. I literally like didn't have like a break on several days at all. So I went from panels. When I wasn't on panels, I was on interviews. When I was on interviews, it was signings. And I had my own table. And any time I went back to my own table, I find a queue of a hundred people waiting for me. You know, and it's like I'm not even meant to be there. And they're sort of like optimistically thinking I may turn up. You know, um, so those sort of days are astounding. You run off adrenaline and sugar. But you know, it's. <laughs> I spend my entire life mostly in this room, as I'm in the seat I'm sitting in right now. That's where I live. Um, and it's the closest you get to a a gig, you know what I mean? As yeah. the idea, like this is us connecting with people. And I normally come back from cons incredibly like rejuvenated, physically destroyed, but mentally, oh yeah, people, people who mostly like the stuff, you know. And anytime you're vaguely down, a con will generally help you. Um, so it's nice. It's it's, you, it's it's the humanity of it that really gets you. And because you know, I imagine it's also quite a thing for ego as well to have that much attention. My ego doesn't need any help. <laughs> my ego's terrible. Um, yes, I, just, I I come back and I'm like, my wife has to stop hitting me to like get me down to earth, uh, which is good. You know, she keeps me sane. All these humble, not really. <laughs> it's nice though. You know, I mean, like so. Remember, like the first cons I ever went to from like the British cons as a fan. You know, and it's that kind of, you sort of, especially if people haven't been to a con before, they're not sure 
especially shy British people, ultra how to approach people at a table. It's that kind of like, I mean, so what do we, can I buy this? And he goes, yes. Yeah. Do you want it started? That's something I've been, I'm, I've been wanting to try and do as like an Artist Alley feature here on the Hangout. Because I am very much that kind of person. I mean, this is going to be my fourth San Diego Comic Con. And I still go through Artist Alley, head down, kind of moving through Artist Alley because I'm not too sure how, cause especially when they're mid-sketch or something, or they, or they talk, how on earth do you approach somebody? Oh, that's something I, I'm fascinated. I don't know. I'm, it's really hard, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can imagine also from someone, when you're on the other side of the table as well and you kind of sat there and you see these people sort of like giving you sideways glances and you're just wanting to say, come over, come talk to me, please. <laughs> oh, God. It's a bit, it's like, oh, um, I always remember... I can't, I'm not sure. Can I do a, an S word, swear word? Um, Actually, yeah. I'll, I'll replace it with something. Okay. <laughs> kind of my favourite person of all time was this this like quite young looking dude. Like we thought he was like 18. Like he looked kind of 16, 16 to 20, that kind of age. And he just walks past our table, kind of does a quiet double glance, and goes, "Holy shit!" <laughs> at the top of his voice before shuffling off a bit. <laughs> and then he comes back later to get something signed. And of course, we spend the rest of the week, weekend, in fact, we spend the rest of our lives just saying, holy, at each other in his mouth. <laughs> uh, so occasionally some people are overcome. really hoping that you didn't recognise him as well. He's <laughs> very sweet. Um, but yeah, I mean, so it's weird for me like, when you approach someone and you've worked with them. Hmm. But even then, it's like they're working, and I want to say hello because I, work, being a British guy, and a lot of the artists are American, or a lot of the artists you know, are not, fundamentally not in Britain. So a con is the only time I would actually get to see them, um, but it's like what do you, I mean, you don't even want to presume they remember working with you, <laughs> you know. Uh, so it, it's just really, especially because they're there to work and sell, and but you know, you want to say hi, and that's really the magical bit. I mean, I work, yeah. I've been working with Greg Land for like um, this is my early Uncanny issues, and I must have done like thirty issues with him, like twenty, thirty issues, and I never met him in person until last year at C2E2. You know, that's that, and now that's like quite a long period of time. Sure. Um, so yeah, it's that, that's kind of the other side of cons for creators, in that well, you're reading the fan base, but it's also you get to reconnect with your people who are in your industry, and yeah. you kind of get that, it's the joke of the con bar, you know, that's where the, that's where the con happens for creators. Well, that's the, the question I was going to ask, do you actually get to catch up with anybody? I mean, you're obviously there um, for a very kind of specific purpose to kind of showcase this book, this thing that you've created, but do you actually get the chance to kind of unwind... At the end. And yeah, does that kind of take its toll as well when you do get that evening to kind of catch up with people? Do you get, do you do you get the chance? Uh, perhaps less so. For, I mean, of course, I'm no longer the the younger man I was then, and it was like kind of as Jamie put it. I can't, you know, Jamie. I think even Jamie, who's younger than I am, is says I can't go to a con and stay up till four in the morning and get up at, in, after three hours sleep and do it for four days in a row anymore. You know, it's like uh, that catches up at you a bit. Um, but yeah, I, I, you never see everybody, especially someone like San Diego. You know, San Diego being San Diego, you will never get everyone. And even like the fact that most people end up going to the same bars, as in so there's a general where people will go to, mm. sort of knowledge. And you may see them across the bar, you may do a kind of, oh, you know, hello, and we nod and we go past, and we'll think, I'll catch you later, yeah? And you never see them again. You know, so there's, there's that. But then there's always like, you get into a sort of a, a gang of it, you know, as in that kind of like the people... At certain cons, and depending on the size, you end up sort of a smaller group inside it, and you get to know them better. 
Yeah. On the same time, occasionally you just meet someone completely new. In fact, some of my favourite con memories, like the first time I hung out with um, Ben Templesmith, you know, that was that was actually mm. Emerald City, and we spent like he was staying an extra day, a colourist called Rose was staying an extra day, and we just bummed around, you know, and that was a lovely, intense like kind of like, that's why I think of Ben, that's why I think of Rose, and that kind of founded our friendship in that kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get some magical moments when you realise, oh yeah, you're my kind of people. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. and you and you kind of get the, the weird, there, there have been creative endeavours that have been born at cons. You know, it's that kind of like, you get an idea, uh, and you know, you hang out with someone, we should do that sometime, shouldn't we? And then you, and you say that in the bar, and you, then someone remembers it in the morning the next day, and the next thing you know, it's actually a comic. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's such a lonely job being a freelancer, you know, uh, and it's less so than it used to be, because the internet helps everything. Uh, but <laughs> those moments are very intense, and they're kind of like if you're so sh- if you're on some level not a complete and utter mis- misanthrope, you're kind of att- attracted to that kind of I will see some people, and of course eventually the bar gets too crowded and everyone splits into smaller groups. Um, but you know I love it. It's like especially for a British guy, you know, we just don't get to see people. So me, any time I'm in America, it's like, dude. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm annoyed. I'm not. I was planning to do San Diego this year because my I said Wicked Divine comes out like in two three days, and the second issue will be out, and it's done very 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 scarily well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, so that's a really good time to come out to San Diego. You've got your, you know, this is a book that's worth being there and sort of hyping up in that kind of. I don't know the arena, the deaf arena of San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, but my brother's getting married that day. Oh! Well, there you are. I mean, if you're going to come up with some poxy excuse, then quite frankly. <laughs> exactly. I actually think about broadcasting stuff live from his wedding in Scotland uh, to various panels, which I wanted to go to. But it's like, that would, but with the time difference, that'll be like 11, 12 o'clock at night at a Scottish <laughs> wedding in the middle of Scotland. And I'm like, I expect I may not be in a suitable state uh, to communicate uh, appropriately without showing, like, I don't know, unclothed Dylan. Uh, so we're not going to do that. We're okay. that. Well, thank you very much indeed for that mental image. I really, yeah, appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> now you, you said that you've been sort of like from, on a run from like you went to Comic Con from like 2006 to 2011. Yes. So that would have been around the time when certainly Hollywood, or when the films really took hold of mm-hmm. Comic Con. Did you see, or did you kind of like? Did you see the the crowds get more intense, or did you see Comic Con get more intense from? Oh yeah, I mean the nature of the crowd changes a bit as well in terms of it's as busy as it, as it is, but you were getting more interest as a comic creator a couple of years earlier. Like actually, it was two thousand six, two thousand ten. Uh, so is that kind of like it? It becomes less worthwhile. So it's one of the reasons why it's like you know New York, and, and that's also okay for me. At the same time, New York Comic Con kicking off, and that got bigger. And the fact that they're not quite the same con in any way. Yeah. But um, New York now is closer, especially if you're a comic guy, and it's also mm-hmm. five hours on the on the flight closer. <laughs> so me, me going all, and also the money it costs to go to West Coast. Sure. So that that was one of the reasons why I kind of like, it wasn't I had enough, but it was like kind of, I don't need, I don't need to do it definitely this year. And I've always thought every year this would be the year of return, and this year I really did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just like, I would love to go back, because there's so much, um, there is only one San Diego. You know, uh, but yeah, it, there was, as I said, it, it was that it was slightly more movie. Yeah, I'd agree. You know, especially because I'm there behind a booth. Mm. That, that, if I was there as a just generally bumming around, that wouldn't matter. Sure. <laughs> uh, you know, one day I'll go in San Diego and just bum around. 
Well, I mean, there is the um, the old uh, adage as well that um, many people do kind of write their books now, eyeing that multimedia deal, uh, which I'm certain can be kind of made or break, uh, break broken at San Diego Comic Con. Um, did you ever think that perhaps you could spot that um, legendary um, connection across? Uh, sorry, legendary studios connection from across the uh, the way. I'll tell you what, it's like... Um, I think I'm asking about the industry kind of part of it, where you're kind of networking. Everyone has, especially the more you get into it, the more the meetings there are. You know, they, they will, oh, can we pack a coffee? You know, I, we meet a Hollywood agent, we talk stuff. You know, uh, there's all of that. So that the fact that the industry is there just make it kind of worthwhile if you can do it. I mean, the idea, you know, this is... You know, this is when I was like moving. I was basically homeless and was sleeping on sofas at the early part of this period. <laughs> uh, just not because I was that broke. But it was because I was with my long-time girlfriend and had nowhere to live. Uh, so it was one of those kind of that kind of homeless. I self-inflicted. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, when you're like you're on the phone to your Hollywood agent or whatever, this this is ludicrous. You know, yeah. Yeah, are, and that's the, the conflict between the two is a very San Diego and b very comics. Yeah. Uh, so yes, there's always the meetings there, and we've met some interesting people, and we've had some meetings we just kind of sort of blink at. Like um, there was this one, oh, there's one we let die in the bind because we're kind of scared that he might do it, in that he was kind of one of the, these transmedia kind of people who are like want to leverage an IP across multiple uh, brands, everything. They want to do everything, uh, and want to take phonogram, which is you know incredibly abstruse, like dark, weird little indie book about pop music being magic. Um, and take that idea and basically weaponize it, and uh, in terms of weaponizing mimetically speaking, uh, and he, he taught and he was fast. He name dropped Nelson Mandela, you know. <laughs> I said I've never had anyone. You know, that's like I've had some people name drop pretty hard before, and it's like and I and I go and it's true. You know, he is entirely uh, capable of name dropping Nelson Mandela, but it's one of those kind of like, um, yeah, I'm not. This this might be above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of ran away with the possibility of getting money because uh, it's like if it works, I think we'll feel terrible. <laughs> you know, it's like kind of this is a weird indie book. We don't need, we don't really want the money in that kind of way. Uh, that sounds weird. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's books. You know, we it is part of the thing. And one of my favourite moments of San Diego was the year that um, was that my last San Diego? It might have been like Walking Dead was about to debut, and um, Scott Pilgrim was coming out that year as well. Uh, and of course, you know, I, I don't know Robert very well, but you know, obviously, I've followed his career and being an image, I know that kind of stuff. And I'm, you know, I mentioned Brian O'Malley, and the idea of seeing these two skies, the two big hotels based on Diego with these posters, the size of the skates, skyscraper, based around people I know, or more importantly, people who are roughly my generation of comic book creators, being that big was lunacy. You know, they, it was that kind of. I remember saying to Matt Fraction, or did Matt Fraction say to me, it felt a little bit like I was winning. You know, that kind of these two black and white indie books were this culturally dominant of this multimedia thing. It's like, yeah, this is a, it was a kind of a, a, kind of a, a warm glow for it all, really. <laughs> it's when San Diego kind of makes dreams come true. Yeah. yeah the, 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 imagine how strange it would be something you create. Oh, yeah, that's my skyscraper. You know, that, that, that's covering the wall there. Um, it's, it's a I can imagine. I, I I do try and imagine Ed, Edgar's face as he came round the corner of Gaslamp and saw that. I just, oh yeah, oh, man. That's, that's, that's just, you know, O'Malley. You know, I, I'm also been an enormous fan of space forever. You know, so mm -hmm. I've followed Edgar's career for like since the beginning. You know, space was the only thing that could make me go home on a Friday night to watch it when it came out. You know, it's element of like it, this is our lifeness. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's um, it's a fascinating place. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Um, I was gonna, about the one more question is I know it's kind of going back a little bit, but here's something I wanted to uh, ask. And it was about the whole Hollywoodization of Comic Con. Do you find that the the fans that do talk to you are a, a, a little instead of being kind of comic book fans, they're very much more intense comic book fans. It's kind of everything's kind of narrowed down and gotten a little bit more laser focused, if you know what I mean. Well, since I've been like there for a few years now, I would be kind of churlish to say what it would be then. Um, no, you get. I think it's more like the, the actual randoms you get more, more interesting. In that kind of like the people who literally don't know much about comics, and they're quite often interested in talking about it. I mean, this is kind of this is the same at any con because people come to cons because it's a spectacle. You know, the people who would never really even consider themselves anything geeky. That's like, oh, that, that's a con. It's amazing. Go and people watch. And I, I regularly get con stories of guys who just turn up and say. I just, I just oh, this is amazing guy. I think he was either very high or very drunk at the last con I went to in America. But he was like, I don't. It's, everyone's so. It's like I saw. I got this flyer and and it said come to a comic con. Now I'm at a comic con. And what do I do now? And he sort of explained. <laughs> yeah, okay. You can do this kind of thing. You do this kind of thing. You buy this fine comic product. Uh, you know. And he, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna go see the cosplay parade. Great, mate. Go knock yourself out. And it's like, yeah. Why not? So if, we, if we do find if we do find Kieran Gillen outside of San Diego Comic Con or any Comic Con at any point, just handing out leaflets on how to actually attend a con, that's <laughs> where it started. That's where it all happened. It's like, oh, I did that. Like, I've actually, I've sort of, I've completely stood outside hot cons handing out leaflets in my comics in that kind of <laughs> complete punk rock uh, back in the dayness. Uh, and that's good. It's fun, you know. It's fun. I, I love cons. There's like, um, I wrote my my first ever con I ever went to. I wrote my first comic script. Uh, the night when I got back, you know, so it's kind of like my entire sort of career is tied into these kind of social events in terms of my mental kind of how I tell the story to myself. So I've suddenly gone serious. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, love them. Bless it. About you, know, demystify anything. That's my motto. Excellent. Right. Um, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to let you get off because I do know that um, I, I want to see the next issue of uh, Awakening Divine because it is. I mean, this is where I kind of pimp myself and say, if you can get a copy copy through to us, I'd be love to love to see it. Because um, I've also seen all the um, the the variants, the the covers that um, got. Was it announced this? Sorry, week? I'm going to show the, the some of issue two, which I've got here. Which is, this, is what I'm this is obviously not the coloured stuff, but it's kind of, this is proof that it exists. Oh, fantastic. Okay, um, well, the, the one last question then, I suppose, just to wrap things up. Would you be going back to Comic-Con, and uh, if so, what would you be uh, looking forward to kind of getting out of your con when you go back? Oh, wow. Uh, I, I mean, you know, I would love to... Um, I don't know. It's hard to actually make any plans to Comic-Con in that way. It's like I said, I, I, I would wanted to go back this year, and if not this year, mate, it's got to be next year. Unless something goes completely and utterly wrong, and I go, like, have a nervous breakdown or something, which isn't a... Eh, it could always happen. Uh, I would like to do it next year, and it's that kind of like mm-hmm. after like a five six year six year break it would be then you mm. can kind of reapproach it with a completely different set of eyes. So okay. I, I, would, I just want to explore it and see what happened. Is that one toilet which is normally quite clean still clean? You know, <laughs> finding literally knowing the magical toilet, which I'm not going to actually tell people where it is. It's a if it's still there, there's always at least one toilet if you can go there and that and round the back. It's the one, and that isn't got urine on the floor. You know, that kind of, if you find that toilet, that was kind of my main aim at Comic Con. Uh, and then you never tell anyone else about it because if other people go to it, it's dangerous. You know, uh, you don't want to tell, you know, it's that scene in community with the trampoline. 
Well, I mean, I've got this mental image of a toilet in San Diego suddenly becoming this Narnia. Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> a clean toilet is complete Narnia. It's like being at a music festival. If you find a relatively clean toilet, this is a, a very good thing, always a good thing. Excellent. Kieran, thank you very much indeed for your time. I know that I asked if we could worry you for 20 minutes. You've given us half an hour, and I really, really appreciate it. And I'm certain that all my guests have... They've, got, they've all got grins on their faces. It's great to <laughs> and it's, it's great to uh, have you join us. Kieran, thank you very much indeed for your time, sir. Uh, thanks for having me. It's been great. And sorry I've been ranting. Uh, so, yes, a pleasure. Uh, I'll see you guys yeah. on. Excellent. It's a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> and that's where Kieran leaves us. Wow. That was brilliant. Wow. Yeah, I, I told you. I told you. I like, uh, although, I mean, we have had someone join us turn around and say, well, I thought we were having Karen Gillan, you teased. <laughs> what, you, you, what are you doing that for? You teased us. No, we had Kieran Gillan. That was brilliant. I, if you do follow Kieran on Twitter, because uh, him and um, his partner in crime, uh, Jamie McKelvey, uh, are two fantastic Twitter um, addresses to follow, because uh, Kieran is um, he's a sharp wit, and as you can tell, he, um, he's, his mind works a mile a minute, and um, yes. great follow. I love Twitter. I love Kieran. Brilliant. Thank you very much indeed for joining us on that one. Kieran. Right. Now we can kind of start the show kind of proper, as it were. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. As always, if you do want to get in contact with us here on the Hangout, do uh, jump on the Q&A on the uh, side of the, or in the Google Plus event page. Uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, I have got the um, YouTube video comments up as well. I'm trying my best to uh, watch those as always, but the best place as always to get in contact with us is the Q&A. Okay, just a couple of people who are checking in. Thank you very much indeed for watching as always. Um, Jesse, Lynn, once again, is it July yet? That's the hashtag of the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and if you are a true Comic Con fan, I want you to start tweeting. Hashtag, is it July yet? That is going to be our hashtag. Absolutely. Um, we also have ourselves, uh, let's see if we've got one or two people who are joining in. Um, yes, um, Diego Navarrete, um, who has uh, tweeted, uh, sorry, uh, texted on the QA, asking for more phonogram from Kieran. I think that's going to be a tough sell because, like I say, he's very much uh, in the moment of uh, working on the Wicked and Divine. But no, if you haven't read Phonogram as a book, um, the, like I say, like, well, like he explained, uh, the story of Phonogram is pop music as magic, and that's the hook right there. Um, he quotes bands. There's even at the back of the each issue, there's a playlist for each each issue. It's an amazing book. Do check out Phonogram. Absolutely, yeah, I recommend that uh, very much. So, uh, Dan Berry's joined us, uh, saying hello. Uh, likewise, uh, Mega Doug Fortney saying hello to Alyssa. Hi, Alyssa. Nice to. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's good when people are uh, reconnecting with each other, uh, even if it is in the Q and A of a uh, a Google Plus Hangout. But uh, yes, thank you very much indeed for uh, joining us. Okay. Things that we're going to be covering and talking about um, in this hangout are. Uh, we're going to be covering one or two um, bits when it comes to uh, collectibles. Uh, obviously, a very large uh, collection of collectibles were announced this week from Diamond Select, uh, which we're going to talk about very shortly indeed. We're also going to be talking about uh, Doctor Who 
and the possibility that they may not be showing up at uh, Comic-Con this year. More about that in a second. Um, we're also going to be talking about the WB plans, which were announced, he says in exclamation marks, of um, their possibility of their panels at uh, Comic-Con 2014. This is a series of um, dates, um, films that may be coming out in the next something like seven years. Basically, the roadmap for WB. Now then, what we would like you to join in on this conversation today is what would you like to see Warner Brothers release at their panel, which we can, uh, we can presume is going to be the Saturday um, of uh, Hall H Comic-Con this year. It doesn't have to be serious. You can kind of be a little bit more um, humorous about this one, or you can actually say what you would like to see at uh, Comic-Con this year. The hashtag is CupOT. SDCC, that's the uh, the show hashtag, and of course, do jump in and um, tell us what you would like to see at Warner Brothers this year. Okay, let's go quickly down the line and find out what has been happening in the world of our guests and what they have been talking about, because obviously, um, we have uh, our guests who are very active on social media, and it's great to have them join us and talk about um, what they've been getting involved in. We'll start with Violet. Hello there, Violet. Hello. Uh, gender bias reviews. Um, it's good to have you join us. Thank you very much indeed. Um, what has everyone been talking about on GB Reviews this week? Um, well, we went to Phoenix Comic Con last weekend, so a lot of our coverage has been about that con. Um, we had Stan Lee, Nathan Fillion, John Barrowman, um, Adam West, all, they each had panels there, so we have a lot of pictures up about those. And I seem to have caught the con crud, so I'm trying to recover from that. Oh. Um, it, it was a, a, I kind of underestimated that con. They had about 77,000 attendees, so <laughs> it's pretty getting pretty big. Um. I can imagine as well that um, people have been talking about the Doctor Who uh, thing as well, uh, about the, the world tour. Oh, of course, of course. Um, yeah, so that announcement came out this week about the world tour, so I like, immediately clicked into it and like, oh, okay, American appearance, New York, hmm, what about San Diego? <laughs> <laughs> because the, uh, when the tour itself starts in... It's August. It's, it's August, isn't it? It's just yeah. it's kind of like a fortnight before the show airs, isn't it? Probably. I'm not sure. Because I, th I think the show kind of is going to be on air something around August time? I believe so, yeah. I believe so. so, yeah, I mean, they're going to be doing this massive world tour um, around uh, numerous countries in the world. One or two slightly random ones, I think. It's almost like they have just kind of put a, a, a map on the wall and thrown a dart yeah. at it, just kind of <laughs> try and just... All the continents, except, so yeah. they have like Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> I think there's a couple of um, where, a couple of the, the locations where the stars have gone, you know what, I wouldn't mind seeing this place. I haven't been to Rio <laughs> before. Can we go right. to Rio, please? <laughs> <laughs> Ask, asking nicely if they can kind of uh, go on a world tour. So, yes, I, I can imagine that. But obviously then, 
This has been um, announced as going to be launching, I believe, on the 7th of August. Uh, I could be wrong on the date of that, but I think it's the 7th of August when this starts. And nothing has been said about San Diego, as Violet right. says. Um, hmm. We'll come back to that because obviously it's something that we want to, um, to talk about. So, okay, very quickly as well, did you guys or have you guys been to see How to Train Your Dragon 2 yet? Yes. <laughs> oh, Wait. now is there a, is there one of your famous reviews, your side by side reviews? Yes, there is. Uh, we actually got to see an early screening a couple weeks ago at the oh, LA Times Hero Complex Film Festival. So we've had it up a couple weeks. A review oh, up a couple fantastic. weeks. Um, that, I believe it came out this week here in the UK, and I cannot wait. I think we're probably actually going to go see that tomorrow. I am a fan. I love How to Train Your Dragon, so I'm very much looking forward to seeing that. Excellent. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. We will come back to you, Violet. Let's go over to Rob. Hello there, Rob. How are you, sir? Doing very well. Very well. So, what's been um, on the Futon Alliance, Alliance's mind this week? Uh, this week we did a lot of coverage on the uh, the E3 Expo that happened in uh, LA this past week. The, uh, ele it's a uh, Electronics Entertainment Expo. Uh, I just need to call it E3. Um, it's really just an industry expo. So all of our coverage was just coming off of uh, reports and uh, the panel uh, streams and everything. So it's all in the world of of gaming and the systems and all that jazz. Uh, we did a quick coverage of a, a wrap-up of the main studios, the Microsoft, the Sonys, the, the big names in video games right now, as well as a longer podcast uh, sort of deal the other night, which ran down all the video games coming out. So that's been our big radar this week. Uh, so you talked about How to Train Your Dragon. We saw that last night, uh, which was phenomenal. Uh, and then now we're just going to start wrapping up into to con seasons. We've got uh, Anime Expo coming up in July, followed by Comic-Con, followed by whatever else shows up on our radar. <laughs> yeah, I think just, the, the calendar just gets full and full and full, and you just kind of work your way through it. Yeah. Fair enough. Excellent. Okay, thank you very much indeed, Rob. Uh, I'm certain that, like I say, if anybody does want anything uh, discussing in these, do let us know. Uh, jump in on the... Um, uh, the uh, Q&As and do let us know what you want us to talk about. Uh, we have had uh, uh, Janine uh, Lucero turning around saying, How to Train Your Dragon 2 was great. Another positive review. So, you see, I want to see this. I want to see this film very, very badly. Okay. And last but not least, hello, Alyssa from the uh, Friends of CCI.com forum. How are you? I'm well. The, right. doing, the doings of oh, the oh. week <laughs> on the forum have... Um, a big thread has been things that you can do today to get ready for con. Check out your suitcase. Make sure you got, you know, if you do the meds, make sure that. Start your vitamin regimen, walking, etc. cetera. Uh, second thing has been uh, the all of the exclusives. Of course, those are, you know, that, that whole area is going going crazy this week but uh, what's really captured my interest has been the um, New York Comic Con they uh, announced this week that they are going to be clearing their main stage room after every panel wow. uh, during the New York Con and I think I if I, I, I recall correctly it's like a two or three thousand seat hall so they 
have uh, Brian, who's the PR guy, has said that they have uh, they have a, a a queue hall that they can work the lines in, and um, using the technology of RFID, the radio frequency chips that they put in their passes, that they'll be able to um, to control and, and work with crowd flows. So that's that's absolutely intriguing, very intriguing to me about how um, crowd management uh, is is going on. They've also their ticket sales are happening. They're starting to happen. They roll it out in waves, and they're starting to happen on Tuesday and Wednesday of this coming week. So there's a segment of the forum that's just completely absorbed with that. Well, I think it's um, how it can be. Uh possibly applied to uh, to San Diego. I think we're talking about a room around the similar kind of size of uh, Indigo and of Ballroom 20. That's the kind of equation. I mean, when I have been reading a number of uh, forum panels about uh, turning mm -hmm. around and saying that this could thing, or this uh, room clearing um, situation mm -hmm. and um, capability could be introduced to Hall H. And at which point I just turn around and kind of close that particular forum thread because I do think it's completely impractical to even think about Hall Beach as a as an option. Uh, well, I mean, we've had our uh, good friend uh, over on When Nerds Attack. Hello, Barb, if she's watching. Um, she wrote a, a piece about this um, this week, uh, which mm -hmm. I was uh, interested to see, especially when it came to uh, the the blurb that she pointed out. Um, on the VIP package. Uh, for the first time, we will be clearing the main stage after each panel this year. Ultimate VIPs will be the very first people let in for each panel on the main stage and will have their own private line. You must arrive at least 20 minutes prior to the start of any main stage panel you wish to attend. This is where we kind of create a tier system, really, yes. for Comic-Con. And I think that's what's really kind of got under a lot of people's skin because it does kind of it does make um, the one thing that Comic-Con or San Diego Comic-Con I feel has always tried to um, apply is a level playing field for everybody mm -hmm. so it seems I, I can't quite see them applying this at San Diego Comic-Con I mean what's been the general consensus on the on the forums Alyssa Right. It, it's it will be interesting to see how it how and if it translates over. Um, I think that this first year is is going to be an experiment um, with with it, and, and and we'll have to just kind of wait and see how it evolves over the years before before I think it it may the the organization of CCI may choose to to look at at the process, mm -hmm. um, but. The um, the uh, Repop is an innovator. I mean, they're a very different organization than CCI is, um, and they they've taken the lead on this RFID chip thing, which is um, it's interesting to see how it actually is physically applied to mm -hmm. the con audience. And I think that that's really if San Diego decides to to take the RFID 
saying, I think that will be an indication of uh, innovation from CCI, which would lead to uh, the idea of line of uh, hall clearing and, and changing the way things are done at San Diego. Now, tie this into the um, expansion, and we have places to put the lines. So I don't know. You know, it, it will. It's very interesting the crowd management that's, that's going on and the potential. Well. You say that though. There's the possibility. Well, there is the uh, the places to put lines. Looking at the expansion plans, I'm wondering if we do because they do seem to be kind of gearing to taking the line and snaking it around the um, the ramp that they're going to intending to build um, at the side of the building. I know that we're planning around a a building which isn't even built yet. No, I, I do know that that's uh, right, exactly. I know, I, I know. Um, but even if it in its current situation, we uh, do just have really space for one line. Um, but it's but there's the roof. <laughs> well, yeah, but um, they're ve they're very awkward and very uh, yeah. kind of snake yeah. around each other, and policing them is very kind of difficult. Um, and they do kind of maneuver around each other but they kind of cross in, in places and I, I I think it's a bit but that's just also just too it, it would be awkward I, I agree it would be awkward and um, the thing that I absolutely love about San Diego is that they have a line management down they've been doing it in that one venue for so many years that they they know where to put all the lines and it is absolutely fabulous that yeah. that you know, it's it's all taped out. There's no questions. It it just is the way it is. And I would hate for that to be lost yeah. if they tried to clear rooms. Um, mm. I I don't. I think that this is a you know this is the Repop is responding to what people have asked Repop to do, which is to clear rooms so people can get in to see their favorite panels. Sure. And I, I think that what they may not have considered is the vast, uh, uh, a lot of people who just are happy with the status quo and they haven't said, I'm, I'm happy with room camping. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, I mean, it's the, the comment that's on, um, on here, which is, um, I, I find interesting, is it's coming back to the whole idea of um, which panel you want to uh, go to. Let's see if this uh, comes up. Hopefully it does come up on the screen. <laughs> Um, I don't know if we've lost it, but we'll try it. Um, it basically says, um, this is somebody according to who works for ReadPop, there will be separate queues for each panel in the queue hall. If you want to see Walking Dead, get in that line. As soon as we hit capacity, then that panel is capped, and no more people will be allowed in that line. This, I think, could be interesting, considering that um, a number of uh, properties and a number of studios, they kind of rely on... The people to kind of either sit through a panel or just sit in a room instead of focusing very much on a specific panel to kind of get uh, the attention on perhaps a smaller property that isn't going to um, uh, that doesn't have the attention of say some of the bigger properties um, so that they're, they're looking instead of kind of um, having somebody experience something which they didn't expect or didn't know was going to possibly have their uh, attention to have this kind of system does 
kind of now it takes an audience out of uh, that interest. I, I I find it very. I mean, I understand where they're going from. And no, no. And you make a very valid point. I mean, that's how I got interested in Supernatural because I was waiting for the Doctor Who panel, you know, uh, which is kind of in retrospect, <laughs> you know, that was a few years ago. <laughs> this is the other thing that really interests me about this uh, as well, because um, this is something that a lot of people have been wanting to see at uh, San Diego Comic Con. So, um, I w this is also from the uh, when, when Nerds Attack. Um, uh, article. Uh, I was concerned that basically you'd be sitting in a line outside a room all day not being able to really see anything. Turns yeah. out there will be streaming of the main stage yes. panels in the queue hall. Yeah. That is interesting to me because that would be just live streaming. I mean, we're doing it now. This is <laughs> live streaming now. It can be done. I do know that uh, it's very much the studios wanting to keep the exclusives content out of the domain of the public. That's fine, I can understand that. But I think that live streaming can be achieved, and it can be achieved relatively easily, I think. But <laughs> that interests me as well. So, I mean, has there been anything else off the back of this, Alyssa? Um, off the back of this. The translation is lost. Okay. <laughs> Basically, if there was anything else that anyone had been saying. But no, I think that's pretty much... Yeah, it's. I think the person who joined who joined the conversation was Brian. I, I'm. I think it was Brian who um, I told that I may be talking about this. So thank you, uh, Brian, the PR uh, gentleman from Repop, for joining us today. Excellent. Well, yeah, indeed. I, I, you, you didn't. You didn't say that. Oh, you never told me. <laughs> well, I don't. No, I just told him that I was do, doing it. That's all. <laughs> Okay. Um, I mean, very quickly to wrap it up from the, from the forum, and then uh, could you I, give an idea of like a, a percentage split of what people are thinking, uh, positive, negative, if they like the idea, if they think it could be applied upon? Um, the forum. You have to understand that the forum is not a good sample demographic at all. It's it's we're we're avid fans um, who like line camping, you know. So <laughs> I, I it's it, I wouldn't I wouldn't even venture to go there because the the data is skewed. It's just it's not a good sample. Okay. No, uh, well, they, I mean, they don't like it. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, well, I mean, let's go to uh, Rob then. I mean, if you knew that there was um, a specific panel and a line that you could join to get into that panel, would you prefer to have that as a, uh, a system, or would you prefer to kind of jump in at the beginning and work your way through it? The thing is, I'm, I'm split on that decision, because I had a great time camping out last year. Uh, we camped out for the, the Game of Thrones and Walking Dead panels, which were you know right right back to back from each other, so we camped out all night, and it was great, because there's a sense of camaraderie, there's a sense of you know you're all there for the same thing. But then at the same time, it would be nice to just be able to jump in one line and not be able to have to camp out all night and be able to, you know, explore the convention the entire time and go, oh, look, you know, it's an hour before a panel. Let's go jump in that line. It, um, it, it, if, 
especially if if you could um, add the the technology of RFID. I mean, what I'd love to be able to do is queue up early for the panel, know that I've got you know have them scan my badge, know that I've got it, and then go back a half an hour before to get my seat. Yeah, you know that that that'd be really interesting if that could be implemented because yeah. it would give more people the time to explore all the things they're missing while they're standing in these lines because we've come to know that you you know be prepared for these lines which you know I don't I don't mind mm -hmm. but it would be cool to have that ability to just oh let's go to our panel it's in a half hour and you know be able to have a seat and not fight someone for it essentially yep would that, would, would that be a lot of data management for 130,000 people uh, that that would be a, that's a whole other NORAD computer base in a bundle <laughs> kind of organizing line management for uh, San Diego Comic Con. I think that'd be interesting. Um, well, I mean, yes, Violet, uh, would can you see yourself just going into a queue for say Doctor Who on a Sunday and then not get involved in other shows that may be on show? I like so much stuff, so I like being able to see everything, and I don't want to miss anything. Because <laughs> I, I, I'm curious about that as well, because if you do sign up, say, that you want to specifically see a certain show, say, for example, let's take it as an example, Doctor Who. You sign up that you've got interest in that and you want to be in the line queue for that, but then perhaps you do want to join in the queue for everything else. Doesn't that right. mean you effectively run the risk of not seeing that panel exactly. if everyone yeah. else has signed up for specifically Doctor Who. Just, yeah, you know, I don't because Supernatural is always on Sunday too, I don't, and I love Supernatural. I don't want to miss Supernatural by going to Doctor Who or vice versa. Hmm. Oh, it's <laughs> really, I, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> there we go. I think um, that's certainly somebody, <laughs> that's one, that's one. Okay, so Let's go down the line. Let's see if you do like this, um, Alyssa. Yes or no? Um, I, I've kind of moved away from going to panels. So, given that, I mm -hmm. think that if I have the opportunity to to line up for one the one super special panel that I wanted to see, that I would take it. Okay. Um, and I'd be okay with not spending all day in Hall H to see the Marvel panel. Okay. And just get into the and just get into the Marvel panel, if I well, could. I mean, if that was the case, uh, in 2010, I would have missed seeing the Paul panel and the Cowboys and Aliens panel because yes. I would not. <laughs> I would not. And then there's that. <laughs> so you think it's all swings and roundabouts? Okay, and yourself, Rob? Yes or no? Um, I I can't choose <laughs> because. because I'm so split with my decision. I can't choose. Um, <laughs> for the moment, I'm going to say no. I'm not okay with the idea because there's the, the, the sense of Comic-Con is, is, you know, you're prepared to line up. You're prepared to camp. You're, you're prepared to, to share the experience with all these people. So why change something that people have gotten... While they may not enjoy it all the time, they do enjoy it some of the time. So I'm going to say no. I don't think it'd be a good idea because there's a sense of fun waiting out overnight and sharing in that experience. <laughs> fun camping out in downtown San Diego? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think the other thing as well that really hasn't kind of been discussed in the article as well 
is how that will affect how many panels there will be in the course of a day now. Um, from eight panels, does that go down to five? Um, basically, do they lose content by all that time clearing out a room? I think it's going to be an interesting experiment. I mean, yeah. uh, yes, when is New York Comic Con? It's October, I think it's October 9th, 10th, 11th, somewhere that weekend. It's Columbus Day weekend here in the States. Right. It's something that I've always wanted to go, and you never know, the next time I go, there may be this system in place. So it'll be interesting in 2014 to see how that uh, pans out. Mm -hmm. So, okay, uh, that's uh, New York Comic Con to start clearing rooms. I also like the, um, the news that New York Comic Con is doing very much like uh, San Diego in that it's taking over the entire city. It's doing yes. a multiple multimedia extravaganza. There's a, a video for it which I shall put a link up here in the corner uh, <laughs> in an annotation uh, that uh, you can go see. There's actually a trailer for this um, con... Is it Super Con Week or something? Yes. That's oh, and, and they've got a great commercial out, too, <laughs> for it. Yeah. I tell that someone's really kind of want. I want to, can I do a commercial? Can I do a commercial for a con? Yes, con? Please, please. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how that pans out as well, how New York will take an invasion of a convention. Oh, so. it will blend right in. It just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there's... I've only been once, but I, I I used to live in this city. I grew up in this city, so it, they'll blend right in, no problem. <laughs> okay, we've got a couple of comments off the uh, the back of um, uh, this. Thank you very much indeed. Once again, do jump in on the Q and A. Please let us know what uh, you're thinking, and of course, join in as well on the hashtag #CupOTSDCC. Okay, we've got uh, Janine Lacero asking or saying uh, if they did that clearing hall H. That would eliminate camping out overnight. I don't think it would. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's now part of con. It's. I think people would queue out overnight for, I don't know, a door opening. Uh, somebody, opening <laughs> up an, somebody opening up an envelope. Um, uh, oh, um, oh, look, the the, um, the the Starbucks has got a new coffee on. People queue up overnight for it. I mean, it's just the way the con is now. It's, it's part of the, the equation now. Um, we've got ourselves... Um, yeah, that's pretty much what um, I've been said about the the losing of panels. Uh, Jesse, uh, for me, it's like what Rob said. Um, I do love the line camping because it's spending time in a queue with other people of like mind. But being able to line up for one panel an hour does sound tempting. <laughs> I understand. I do. I do get it. I, I totally understand what people are saying. Um, I just think that um, there's, for example, and I know this is a this is um, a very divisive topic because um, I've been speaking to a number of people about this. The women who kick ass panel in Hall H. Uh, well, it was moved to Hall H last year on the Saturday in between some very big panels. If we had um, room clearing and if we had uh, lines for specific panels, right. panels like that would be utterly mar marginalized and they would be just shifted away from 
the spotlight which was granted to them by going into the, the Hall H um, uh, timeline. I, uh, I believe that panels like that are very important to the, the character of San Diego Comic-Con and people, if they enjoyed it or not, will it's the subject that um, I think is important and um, I think people would have been deprived of that if, um, if this was done. However, it's, um, it's options. Um, Angie, hello there. Um, hopefully we'll be having Angie back from the Nerd, uh, nerd Girls uh, back on the, uh, the the show at some point, very soon indeed. Uh, clearing rooms might cause more chaos of people running back and forth to different panels. The way it is now, you have a few thousand people in lines not roaming the ex uh, uh, exhibition floor and clogging up the streets, etc. Very good point. It does take, at the end of the day, it's 130,000 people descending on San Diego. Mm -hmm. And to have them in a line, it does kind of... At least you know where they are. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's people management at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. it's a whole crowd management thing, which mm -hmm. is, is just going to be challenging. I mean, San Diego, I, I don't think San Di it would be something that San Diego even thinks about for a while. But that's why I'm, I'm so interested in what New York City does um, and why CC does. Because I think that um, that just the sheer learning how to manage crowds of a hundred thousand plus people of Comic Con nerds who are sporad you know they go this way and that way and oh no I want to go see and I I need to and that yeah. it's it's a learning experience you know okay let's move on from that topic then so. Do let us know what you think in the comments. Do you think room clearing could work at Comic-Con? Let's not talk about Hall H, because I think moving 6,500 people is bloody impractical. And if they do decide to do the expansion, that could go up to 8,000 people. So let's not even think about that. Let's go to, say, Ballroom 20. If you could do room clearing in Ballroom 20, what do you think? Let us know in the Q&A. Um, okay, let's go to uh, another topic. Uh, the other thing that's um, kind of gotten everyone's attention is in um, exclusives land. Um, now, I will admit, and I think a, a number of my guests will admit, that we're not overly um, familiar with exclusives and exclusive news. That will change next week. Hopefully we'll be having uh, somebody join us from uh, Action Figure Fury. So next week is going to be an exclusives special, as it were for the, the cup of tea, so do join us next Sunday. However, the news that has uh, uh, attracted everyone's attention this week has been Diamond Select Toys uh, announcing exclusive products for 2014, and it's got to be said, there are a number of these that just look absolutely brilliant. Mm. Um, that Godzilla's nice. Um, I think the there's a couple of um, uh, comic covers that they're... Um, <coughs> Uh, releasing as well. Those, uh, I went a little silly on the web about those. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, those the, the, nice. what you also like about these as well, they're also pretty affordable as well. So if you are just getting into your exclusives, it's something that you can kind of introduce yourself and get into. I mean, we've got on the screen at the moment the Godzilla Burning uh, exclusive bus <laughs> bank which is um, a limited edition vinyl bank of all things, uh, King of All Things Monster, 
uh, depicted as in the 1995 Godzilla vs. Destroyer. Um, sculpted by Gentle Giant, uh, limited to a thousand pieces, thirty dollars. So uh, yeah. UK twenty quid. Um, I think that's just a great way to get into uh, exclusive collecting. Um, I think. What uh, is any Godzilla fans that like the look of that? I'm tempted by it, but there are so many other things in that list that I'm tempted by too. Sure. Uh, the, I uh, yeah, the, the black and white uh, Walking Dead Mini Mates is uh, rather cute as well. Uh, that's only $20, um, limited to 3,000 pieces. Uh, they've also got the full color of the um, Days of Future Past uh, Mini Mates as well. Um, 3,000 pieces again, $20, uh, featuring future Wolverine, future Kitty Pride. Mystique and a future sentinel standing two inches tall. Those you can just throw in a backpack, and I think that's just amazing. I think that's really cool. But this is the one that um, I will probably be looking out for. This is the X Men 23 Days of Future Past Mini Mates cover, <laughs> Which, uh, a tribute to John Byrne's uh, classic cover to Unca uh, Uncanny X Men 141. Uh, with artwork by Barry Bradfield. Um, it doesn't say how many um, there are going to be available of these, but um, available through various retailers, it's only $4, and I think I'm going to be picking up a copy of that, because I think that just looks amazing. The Rocker Raccoon, uh, that's that's the one that, that I think it's the next one, Dan. Oh, it's not in this article. No, there is. Um, oh. The black and white. Scotty Young. Scotty yeah, Scotty Young. Young. Oh. He did uh, well, two variant covers, which I'm, or three. Sure. <laughs> no, um, I, I think a, a number of people will know my love and, um, no, it's love for Scotty Young. <laughs> I, I am a Scott. I am a fan till I die. I've got a number of his covers, um, which he signed and. He's, um, no, I'm, I'm a fan. And yes, it's the, um, the cover for um, Rocket Raccoon, uh, issue one, uh, which is a black and white cover uh, co uh, version variant of his cover for that, which is just gorgeous. I, to be honest, I can't actually wait to see that um, particular um, issue. I can't wait to see that, um, that comic, because I think that's just going to be hilarious. Um, and last but not least, we've got a world debut. Uh, making his debut at uh, SDCC, uh, made in 2001 for the release of the Blunt Man and Chronic movie. It is the Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back Cock Knocker ret ret Retro Action Figure. Because who doesn't love a bit of Cock Knocker? Uh, um, $20, and um, it is only going to be a limited release, but um, I don't think Mark Hamill has ever looked so cute. <laughs> oh, so yes. Um, any? Uh, I think that's uh, all the uh, the the main ones for those. I mean, I also quite like that uh, Yoda as well. But I think that just reminds me of the Wonder Woman Invisible Plane, which I <clears throat> I like. I also like the um, the Star Trek Battle Damaged USS Excelsior. But I'm a Trek fan. Ah yes. So. Just and a lot of people have been talking about the um, Deathstroke unmasked, unmasked pop 
uh, figure. Sure. To that uh, in that whole diamond release. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to find that earlier on today, and I, I kind of struggled because uh, it's his Father's Day here in uh, the UK, as well as it is in the US. So I've been kind of tied up uh, taking my father out for a meal. So I've kind of been a bit distracted, so do bear with us. But no, um, some great uh, exclusives on that. Okay, let's do one last topic then. Like I say, then next week is going to be a exclusive special because uh, hopefully hopefully, we are going to be joined by uh, Nick from Action Figure Fury, who's going to talk about and take us through the exclusives of San Diego Comic-Con uh, 2014 with only, well, well, next week, four weeks to go. So certainly all the exclusive news will be uh, in full swing, and he'll be talking us through it. So looking forward to that. Okay, let's bring up on the screen then the thing that we're going to be talking about next. Nikki Fink is a um, gossip journalist, um, somebody who has had a lot of history with setting up a site called uh, Deadline. Um, had a bit of a falling out with that particular site, and I believe it was technically ousted from um, uh, the, the site, and has now gone uh, live with her own site, NikkiFink.com. As one of her first... Um, reveals for 2014 uh, for the new site what Warner Brothers DC Comics is planning at Comic-Con in July. This has just done the rounds on the internet something chronic because it basically not only shapes down what is going to be talked about at Hall H at their panel but also pretty much maps out Warner Brothers plans all the way through to 2018. Um, we have, um, this is according to um, Nikki Fink's source, uh, May 16th, 2000, uh, sorry, May 2016, Batman vs. Superman, July 2016, Shazam, Christmas 2016, Sandman, May 2017, Justice League, July 2017, Wonder Woman, Christmas 2017, Flash and Green Lantern team up, yes, um, Alyssa, we will be coming back to you on that one. <laughs> and a 2018 Man of Steel 2. What's everyone's thoughts on this? Um, number one, to kind of have that much information at this point kind of t tells me that maybe there are some people out there that open up their presents not only the night before Christmas, but the April before Christmas. Um, which is, I think, a little bit too far. But also, just some of the um, some of the reveals, some of the ideas. What's everyone's thoughts on this? Um, let's go to to Rob. Uh, uh, well, the only reason I think part of this list could be true, and the fact that we're hearing more and more about um, the casting of characters that are going to this Batman vs Superman, the the Justice League sort of announcement, because yesterday they announced that Jason Momoa was going to be Aquaman. Mm. So if and and we've heard you know casting of Wonder Woman, her rumblings of different casting of uh, of other characters, and so you have to think, yes, we know DC is trying to set up for this eventual Justice League movie, um, and the fact that they're throwing in a lot of these characters into this Batman versus Superman film, even just glimpses of them, you know, shows that DC knows somewhat where they're going. I would say, um, so part of me thinks that the only 
you know, out of this list, I think the the ones that we can kind of be sure of would be I'd say a Justice League and a Wonder Woman movie. Um, I I don't know why they would go with a, a Shazam and a and a Sandman sort of film. They seem well, out there for me. The the, the Sandman. Um, was kind of touted um, about six to eight months ago because that was going to be off the uh, at the back of the new 52, which at that point had been uh, in full swing, and the idea was that they were going to do a Justice League Dark movie um, directed by uh, Guillermo del Toro, uh, which he, he's still circling it, apparently. He, he'd still love to do it, but um, that seems to have been kind of put to the wayside, especially with the um, release of the Constantine uh, TV series, so that may have taken up the, the space of the Justice League Dark um, element of the whole thing. Um, I do think it's a very odd lineup to have. Um, then again, I mean, if you look at the, the Marvel um, lineup when that was announced, yeah. I mean, certainly people looked at um, Iron Man with a bit of a sideways glance. And, uh, and people Captain looked- America. Captain America, even. Yeah. But hmm. The it, first one. I, I, the Captain America reveal to me was a little, not as much of a surprise because you'd seen how uh, Marvel had um, kind of maneuvered their characters, especially after Civil War. Uh, they definitely have the two sides of Tony Stark and uh, Captain America, the, uh, the those opposing sides. So it was the kind of like the the yin and yang of the. Mm-hmm. The, that particular universe. Mm. So it kind of made sense that they were going to have that character in the uh, in the lineup, especially when they were obviously. I don't care what they say. They were planning the Avengers movie <laughs> decades ago. <laughs> that was a long time goal. This is, I think, this is, I think, the difference between the approaches between um, DC and uh, Warner Brothers and Marvel. Marvel have got somebody with their with his hand on the rudder and has had for a decade and a half now. I think that well, certainly a decade. Let's okay, let's not go stupid. Um, certainly a decade. He he has set the plan out. He he is the single mind that is kind of driving the thing forward. Yes, he's been slightly knocked off the tiller um, this last couple of weeks with the um, Ant Man. Uh, news, but at the end of the day, <laughs> is the Marvel MCU. It's that simple. There isn't anybody with that position and role at Warner Brothers. I don't know if that's intentional, whether they want to kind of not have the, the focus on somebody. I don't know. Okay, so in that lineup is, in Christmas 2017, Flash and Green Lantern team up as a film. <laughs> now I go to my kind of resident Green Lantern. <laughs> That's only because yes, you've got the comment. Yes, you've got some framed in the background. Deal with it. Um it it, it sounds interesting to me. Uh, you know, it will be interesting to see whether or not they take they take it from the the television series and the the history the canon that's been established there and make that into a movie and maybe that's what they're planning on doing but to go back to the Shazam and Sandman um, topic that you you guys brought up I mean maybe they are having this grand scheme like Marvel did and are 
putting those movies out there, maybe anticipating that they're not going to be the the Wonder Woman Justice League, but they need to build to those to the Justice League to make it more powerful. Um, And I I like the Flash and Green Lantern teaming up, but I, as my son says, I I like bad movies. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you're calling this film three years out. Congratulations, that's impressive. (laughs) Well, I'm going on for the past Green Lantern. (laughs) Okay. Looking at that then, I mean, like um, Rob says, we have had um, announcements this week for um, Aquaman, Jason uh, Momoa, um, which... I personally will also say is genius casting because Aquaman has been the character that everyone has been <laughs> gloriously king in the nads for about a decade and a half now. He has been the running joke. I mean, I think the best best one for that is I think it's Family Guy, where Aquaman is over in in the water and a woman is getting attacked on a beach and yeah, what are you gonna do? What what you, you you can't come up here. You can't do anything. It's just been the running joke. You cast Jason Momoa. You ain't <laughs> laughing anymore. Look at the crap out of you. <laughs> I I had a picture taken with him at Con last year. He's a big guy. <laughs> He's a big guy. Oh man. So no. If anything, it does kind of take the whole. Um, focus off the, the the Aquaman jokes. So yeah, although I did quite like the um, the the, que- the the statement from Dan Berry as well. Things that we'd like to see at a Warner Brothers panel: uh, Jason Momoa in a blonde wig. <laughs> I can't see him wearing orange and green. I can't. <laughs> That's going to be um, yeah. But okay, let's try and be a bit serious now then, because. It, we have these character appeal. Oh, no, go on. Uh, yeah, uh, the one thing I would like to say is I hope that this is successful. I would love to see another franchise, um, another universe of superhero movies that we can all get behind. Oh, that's that. That's the big thing of yeah. all of them. What do you think, Violet? Sorry, oh, we haven't yeah, be... Violet talk for a while. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. No, it would be pretty awesome. Um, yeah, if you look at the timeline, it does seem like they're really close, but then, yeah, if you think about the Marvel Universal, they're pretty close, too. So. Sure. Um, well, the, the website is Gender Biased Reviews. At the end of the day, we're now going to have to wait until July 2017 for a standalone Wonder Woman movie. Is that too late? Is it too little too late? What do we think? Um, yeah, it is pretty late because we got to wait until after the Justice League movie for mm. that. I would want to have that before. I don't know. Sure. I mean, I think that the, the, where I was kind of aiming with it is with that Flash and Green Lantern team up movie, which you would think is going to come off the back of Justice League, because that's the other thing. People are talking that this is based on the model of the old pre 52 different Justice League model, uh, which is a whole other topic of conversation. Uh, we won't go there today. Um, the, the, the comment has been um, that with Flash and Green Lantern coming off the back of Justice League and Wonder Woman, are we actually going to see um, the Justice League revealed 
at San Diego Comic-Con this year, are we going to have a Flash and a Green Lantern on stage? What do we think? Hmm. Anyone? It seems a little early. Yeah. yeah. It goes yeah. to me, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been thinking as well that if they are going to be doing the just uh, a true Justice League movie, then in Batman versus Superman, although we may be having ca uh, actors cast and characters cast, um, are we actually going to see them really on screen? I think we may just have kind of like this five-minute montage of people suddenly turning gazing thousand-yard stares off camera kind of thing. Wordless, wordless cameo for Batman versus Superman. Who knows? Um, but um, I, I think Warner Brothers as well would very much like to have that um, Avengers moment. I think they do look at that DVD extra on uh, the MCU and when they brought out the Avengers for that first time, I think they really would like to have Avengers moment. They saw the Days of Future Past where they had the entire cast there, front and center, and they've all their reveals so far have been one person coming out, talking about something, and walking off. Mm. There hasn't been a big reveal, and I think they'd really like to have that. So mm. I'm just wondering if we'd see that this year. We'd, we'd get an actor's cast, that's the thing. I would have loved to have seen a Green Lantern, Green Arrow uh, movie, but I don't know how that fits into the... <laughs> well, you know, I don't know how that fits into the the scheme that they're doing. Um, and the other thing is that uh, JMS, um, and I can never pronounce his name, he did uh, Babylon 5, wrote Babylon 5. Krasinski, uh, yes. Yes. He, um, he wrote a Wonder Woman script a few years ago. And I don't know um, if they're going to be using that or if they have a, if they're going to be asking for a different script. Well, they've had so many scripts go through the mill when it comes to yeah. um, Wonder Woman. I mean, you had the Joss Whedon script, you had Straczynski. Mm -hmm. I think there's another three names that I can't think of the top of my head. <laughs> oh, they just really have just <laughs> They really have just. They've written Wonder Woman into the ground at this point. So long as they don't do um, or write Wonder Woman like they did for the TV pilot, <coughs> ooh, that thing just, oh my god, that was bloody awful. Anyway, um, okay, let's see where we've got. Um, we've got Jesse, um, who did want to try and join us today from the Nerd Truth, um, who is kind of our resident um, DC uh, expert. <laughs> Um, saying, where Marvel set up their characters before the Avengers, DC will branch out their solo movies from Justice League. That seems like mm -hmm. a risky proposition. Because mm -hmm. you're rolling the dice on one film. And you're desperately hoping that those characters work off the back of the one film. What do you think? It is. It is, but I mean, it, it, they set. Well, I'm sorry, <laughs> but they set up. Um, I, I wish Jesse was here to to yeah. comment. But uh, they set up 
the movies, um, like the Captain, I keep coming back to the Captain America because that, to my mind, that one was really kind of out of left field and I didn't understand why they were doing that movie. I liked it, um, but I didn't understand why Marvel was doing it. And it, it, was, it was a risk. And maybe Warner Brothers doesn't want to take this risk. I mean, maybe they're more, they're following, which is, I would think would be detrimental. They're following more of the standard Hollywood formula scripts, yeah. which would be unfortunate, mm. in my opinion. Humble. No, I agree. Um, now the question is, <laughs> did we? Act did you actually want to know this amount of information this early, or would you have preferred to have had a big reveal at? Uh, Hall H in um, five weeks' time. I this just seems very kind of <sighs> it, it, it's just rumor and it's speculation, and I'm just wondering if it's going to do more harm than good than actually having Warner Brothers reveal it in at their own pace. I, I just find it very. Um, I don't know if it is detrimental or not to the the, the whole. The way that Warner Brothers want to reve reveal information, um, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, at the end of the day, all of this is also down to um, people signing on the dotted line. While Jason Momoa, some articles are confirming that as a sealed deal, um, he did turn around. Oh, no one has said that he's actually signed on the line which is dotted yet. Um, and at the end of the day, I seem to remember that he was in the room being cast possibly for Drax um, for uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and he turned it down because he said that he didn't want to be typecast as the bulky action hero type at which point he would then sign for a Justice League movie I, I, I'm gonna wait till there's some kind of official line on that which is why I did the, um, the air quotes for Nikki Fink I think she's very or was, and she was very strong on her Hollywood gossip and for her um, uh, the box office numbers, but she's never been very much on pop culture, certainly not like this. So I'm going to give it a grain of salt on this one. Um, but it seems very... Uh, yeah, it depends what people want to actually see in Hall H. Do they want to be surprised or do they want to be kind of spoiled like this? I don't know. So anyway, thoughts? Yeah. Just to, before we wrap it up, um, yeah. Well, what, well, would, I just... what, would, what would you like to see at a Warner Brothers panel if it was revealed? Um, we'll, start, we'll start with um, with Rob. Um, I think that if this if this announcement was true, what Warner Brothers needs to come out uh, with their panel is. Focus on one of the one or two of these things. Don't come out with this whole lineup. Yeah. Because people will go, oh, we've seen this before. They need to focus on maybe one or two of these put these projects if this list is correct, and blow people away with what they have of those two things. Sure. Yeah. Uh, be because I mean, the fact that if if like and we're all just saying that if this list is is just hypothetical and rumored, but if this list is true and they walk out. Sure, people will be excited, but the internet's seen it mm. already, 
and it's not the big reveal. That room would not have been as uh, blown away by um, the reading of the Dark Knight uh, Returns clip and that big icon of Batman vs. Superman if people knew it was coming. One or two people did. One or two people did hint at it, but they certainly didn't um, pin it as a full-blown Batman versus Superman setup. So, no, I, I, know, I know what you're saying. Violet, what would you like to see at a Warner Brothers panel? Is there yeah, any, I, any character I, that you'd like to see or anything you'd like to... I agree with Rob. I just want to see a couple of things, just whatever's coming up next. Um, yeah, I would have liked to see that whole list being revealed, but now that they know we that we know what it is, it's, it's kind of lackluster. So. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. You, Nikki, Nikki Fink. You, 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 you. You've ruined it for us. <laughs> you. Um. And Alyssa, I mean, is there anything that you would like to see at a water panel? Um. Echo what what everybody else has said. Um. I, my general feeling about the the DC characters is that. I, I keep hearing promises and promises, and there's just there's not the movie every summer that I want to see. I want to see a movie every summer from um, DC, and then I could really kind of get behind a franchise a little bit more. But I'm a Marvel, you know. That's I born and bred Marvel, even though I have the DC books on the wall. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, we're looking at this this setup, this list here, and starting May 2016. You're looking at three films a year, one big one and a couple of satellite films. Um, whether that means that Wonder Woman is going to be relegated to a satellite film, mm -hmm. I'm not too sure about that. Uh, what I would like to see um, at a Warner Brothers panel, um, I would like to see uh, the full. If they are going to do the full original Justice League pre-52, um, I would like to see um, one of my favorite characters introduced into the lineup. And I would like to see somebody who is whose star is on very much the uh, uh, ascendance when it comes to um, performing in films. So yes, I'm going to put my call of Jonah Hill as Martian Manhunter. Right, <laughs> heard it. You heard it here first. If Nicky Fink can do it, I can do it. Jonah Hill as Martian Manhunter. There, planting my flag. So there, right. <laughs> Last but not least, let's do uh, things that certainly won't be appearing at Comic-Con this year, and it's down to the television uh, programs. Very quickly, um, as uh, pointed or tweeted on Friday and confirmed, if you are a Haven fan, Haven will not be coming to Comic-Con 2014. Very good reason, though. They are um, confirming that they are on a 26-episode schedule for that particular series, and... They are deep in production at the moment, and they can't spare anybody to come off set to come to Comic-Con. So, yes, good news, you're going to be getting a full season of Haven, but they will not be coming to Comic-Con. And last but not least, then, Doctor Who. Doctor Who, we talked very quickly about it earlier on, but um, I think it's, uh, it's uh, the Q&A certainly is um, not happy about the idea that uh, Doctor Who may not show up to Comic-Con this year. Last year, um, it was the 50th anniversary, it was the Day of the Doctor, you had Matt Smith, you had Karen Gillan on stage, you had Stephen Moffat, all very much excited about this final episode of Matt Smith's Doctor. Um, at which point, uh, Stephen Moffat 
kind of went off on one. He pretty much told the entire room and indeed the internet off, don't share this trailer that we're going to uh, uh, put on the screens in Hall H, otherwise we won't be bringing in, uh, any more reveals or exclusives to Comic-Con. Those were his words. At which point, four hours later, that footage landed up on the internet. So, with the reveal of oh, the story now is that um, the world tour starts in August uh, to promote the new Doctor starring Peter Capaldi. That starts on the 7th of August, and as, there, as of right now, there is no word that the gang is going to be showing up at Comic-Con. In other words, has Stephen Moffat taken his bat and ball home? What do you think would happen to Comic-Con if Doctor Who didn't show up? Because I personally feel, as somebody who went in 2010 when um, David Tennant had just really been taken on and everything was just kind of Doctor Who mad, and the, the, everything was just building up and excitement was getting ex um, built about it. At the end of the day, it was built at San Diego Comic-Con, all that excitement and all that hype. And then Sunday pretty much has become Comic-Con Sunday. It's Doctor Who Comic-Con Sunday. What do you think would happen at Comic-Con if Doctor Who didn't show up? Anyone? What's everyone's thoughts on this? Anyone want to jump in? Violet. <laughs> At least the line on Saturday for the Sunday panels wouldn't start at uh, 1 p.m. on Saturday like it did last year. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. <laughs> this is uh, that's, yeah, that's one thing. Uh, I, I, I find it interesting that um, that they would actually just not come at all. I mean, is is that even remotely possible? What do you think? That's weird. Uh... It seems like such a staple. It's just the, the Sunday thing to do is Sunday Doctor Who. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we, were, we were kind of talking about this, myself and uh, a friend of mine, uh, another comic, um, Doctor Who fan. And like I say, Comic-Con pretty much built the series um, when it came to building up all that attention to uh, Doctor Who. And... To be honest, the, the American audience really only knows the younger doctors, the Matt Smith and the David Tennants, and to some degree Chris Freckleston. Um, people have gone back, when, if they have become true Whovians, to check out the classic doctors with the older um, doctors. But for the vast majority, the people that have really kind of made Doctor Who the phenomenon that is in the States... They are more familiar with the younger doctors, and I thought that they would have used Comic Con as a way to introduce this older gentleman, this older doctor. Um, what What do you think, um, Rob? The thing is, while while it is true, I mean, it really is true that the the American audiences really know the younger doctors. So, I mean, I started with Tenet, but I went back and and did the Eccleston whole arc, like, in the middle of it. So, technically, I would say I started off with with nine. And I was okay, and I, I love what, you know, uh, nine and ten were as far as doctors. I wasn't so keen on the latter part of eleven, 
Um, but the, if if they're smart, they really need to utilize bringing Doctor Who for with with Peter Capaldi to Comic Con because they're moving away from the younger Doctors to an older, more mature one or mature. Hopefully, I don't know. Um, I think it would be a mistake if they didn't. Sure. It, 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 in some form, if they didn't bring it, they would be losing a lot of the popularity that they've built up. And and while internet circles, and you know, as far as you got the the Tumblr fans for Doctor Who, you know, rabid Tumblr fans, the Comic Con fans love Doctor Who just as much as anybody else. And I think it'd be a, a bad move on their part if they didn't show up. Even if it's just for one year, even yeah. if it's just one year. I mean, then again, there's also the the, the 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 not threat, but there's also the possibility because Stephen um, Moffat has said and has proven on numerous occasions that he's very much a Nerd HQ fan. So while he has turned around and said that he may just pull the plug on bringing anything to Comic Con, you may may could. <laughs> Doctor Who as a Nerd HQ exclusive. <laughs> Good lord. The, I mean, tickets for those things sell out, for the panels for Nerd HQ, sell out pretty quickly. But then again, we have had Hall H line, 6,500 out, well, there was more like 3,500 people outside, 6,500 inside for this panel. And there's a 350-seat room in Nerd HQ. Oh my God, <laughs> that would just be horrific. But yeah, I think that's a, an interesting one. Uh, we've had a couple of comments uh, coming on the back of this, as you can understand. Uh, it's, it's something that the, the threat that Doctor Who might not show up. Um, Janine, Lucaro, a lot of people will be very upset. That's three exclamation marks and all in capitals. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's that's um, very much an understatement. Uh, we've also got um, comments uh, from Angie saying, uh, Angeline, uh, would it be really up to Moffat to say not to bring Doctor Doctor Who? I think BBC could override him and bring it. Interesting, because I think I, I I commented about this on a post I did on my website about this, and I did say. That um, because of the, I think the need to introduce Capaldi to an American audience, BBC America would be desperate to have um, Doctor Who in any form show up in San Diego. So very, very, very awkward. Um, comment. It would, oh, it, would, it would produce an interesting problem for for CCI for San Diego um, what to put in its place do you continue with Hall H being uh, Sunday and Hall H being the TV day mm -hmm. and if so what shows would you put in there uh, what shows wouldn't you put in ballroom 20 you know Fannibal um, Hannibal sorry I, I, <laughs> well, just because I, I can't think of a show at the moment, with that kind of rabid fan base, that would fill a whole H on a Sunday. Right, but if you get a few of them back to back, you know, a supernatural, uh, uh, an Arrow, uh, uh, Hannibal—I don't know. 
you know, I, I'm just tossing, you know, popular. You get the three popular shows and you put them all in there back to back. Yeah. I don't know. It's an idea. Um, uh, the uh, comment um, is very quite uh, correctly said. I know people who um, the only reason they come to Comic Con on Sunday is Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. It's it is it's 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 something that has everyone's attention, and I think uh, not to put a, too much of a downer into the final as we wrap things up on this show. Uh, it could just almost reshape what Comic Con is on a Sunday. If Doctor Who doesn't mm -hmm. show up, so mm -hmm. if anyone wants to kind of tweet um, any of the cast members or BBC Americans, <laughs> listen. That would can, be the big scoop. <laughs> yeah, well, if, let's put it this way: if we can have um, a hashtag rash, which is based around <laughs> Beauty and the Beast, um, <laughs> like we have done um, over the last um, week or so, because um, obviously Beauty and the Beast have turned around and said that they may not be coming to Con this year. Um, yeah, if Doctor Who, I think we can have a little bit of uh, Doctor Who begging action on Twitter, if possible. If there's even the slightest chance that it's not going to be coming up for Con this year. Okay, um, let's just see if there's any comments that people have uh, made. Um, I'm just going to add one more thing that I, I started with Tom Baker. That was my first doctor, so he's. <laughs> I just have to have to say that. I I'm going to have to say that I'm a Tom Baker man as well, um, purely because. In the UK, when you talk about your doctor, I mean, it's a, it's a line that was used in one of the uh, Eccleston episodes about, you are my doctor. And yes, everyone has their doctor. And yeah, Tom Baker was mine. Although, I will say that my uh, personal favorite doctor out of all of them, with Christopher Eccleston being a very close number two, William Hartnell is absolutely my favorite. And if there's any chance that we're going to have a cranky old grandfather figure <laughs> as a doctor. Number one, like like I say, um, many Americans are familiar with the, the newer doctors, and I think it would just blow their minds to have just people who are just kind of fans. And oh, hello. Let's just uh, go over to. Um, <laughs> sorry, let's go to Violet there. It wouldn't sorry. be. It, no, it wouldn't be a cup of tea hang out without a cat's backside suddenly showing up on screen somewhere. So <laughs> I think, you know what, I think that's a, a great place to wrap things up. Uh, let's just hope uh, that... Leonard. Yes, certainly. Um, I'm actually, there's, I, I think there will be a Doctor Who presence. Um, I'm looking at their Tumblr, the BBC America Doctor Who Tumblr account, Ooh. and they made a post um, wanting art to show at Comic-Con. I think for the for the for the uh, BBC America booth, right? Which they're asking they're asking for Whovians to submit um, artwork featuring fan fan work of the Twelfth Doctor and Clara. Okay. So if they're if they're ramping this up to have things going on at the booth, maybe that's a good sign that it will still be there. Then again, there's also, as far as a panel, there's also the statement that that could be the only way they can have. Yeah. <laughs> of having fans submit. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> that is going to be. I think this. I'm going to be paying very close attention to that because <laughs> to have. Yeah, Doctor Who. I think I'm going to 
pay attention this week. That's going to be my focus, I think. Right, let's wrap things up then. Thank you very much indeed, everyone, for joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Do come and join us next Sunday. And, of course, please do subscribe uh, to the channel and uh, do keep an eye out for our next cup of tea with uh, myself, Leonard Sultana, next Sunday. I'd like to thank my guests as I go down the line. Rob, thank you very much indeed. Rob? Thank you very much for having me. How can people find you on the internet, sir? Uh, you can find uh, me, uh, go with our, our Twitter account, which would be at Futon Alliance, or you can find us on Facebook um, at The Futon Alliance. Uh, I'm usually running that account more than my own personal account, so I'm going to have you guys go with that one. Um, our website is still being worked on at the moment. We went down uh, last week or so. So uh, we're working on getting that back up and running in time for convention season. So when that comes back up, um, there will be an announcement because we broke our website. So we'll, we'll be back. <laughs> it's easily done. You just accidentally spill a cup of coffee and that's it. It all goes well. Oh, you have my sympathies. Don't want to attempt fate, but yes. Um, also, we are going to uh, say that there is also uh, Rob S., on Google Plus as well. I'm sorry, I'm oh, just yeah. going to push Google Plus. Deal with it. Yeah, I know go for it. Like the Facebooks and what, Google Plus rules. Deal with it. Right. <laughs> okay. So that's uh, Rob. Um, Violet, how can we find you? Um, you can tweet us at gb underscore reviews, or our website is gbreviews.com. Also, Google Plus gender bias reviews. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed for joining us, Violet. Uh, as always, great to have you join us. And last but not least, Alyssa. Hello there. Right. Um, how can we find you on, or how can, well, how can we find you first and foremost? Um, friends of CCI.com forward slash forum is uh, where people, where I am pretty much most of the time. Uh, <laughs> The other thing I wanted to say is if people didn't catch the first part of this hangout, go back and watch uh, watch the, the couple guy. Yeah, that interview was, uh, yes, with uh, Kieran Gillen. Yeah. Yes, it was. Going just halfway through, yeah, the first half an hour of this was uh, an interview with Kieran Gillen, um, who is a, a, a fantastic comic book writer and um, very entertaining about his tales of going to con. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Um, also, you can be found on Twitter, can't you? Yes, at friendsofcci. Yeah, not dot com. Just friends of CCI. I do like how you uh, mention and uh, pimp the forum and not yourself. You see, that's just that's just you being unegotistical. I think that's great. I tend to keep my my per, my private per internet persona a little bit more back. Fair enough. <laughs> Whereas I am just the rampant egotistical person that I am, you can find me at Twitter at uh, EnglishmanSDCC. You can go to the website an EnglishmanInSanDiego.com. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, once again, do subscribe. I'll put the annotation at the top of the screen. Do um, click on that, and uh, it'll let you know about uh, future episodes of this, A Cup of Tea with an Englishman in San Diego. Thank you very much indeed for joining us this Sunday. I will hope to see you next week uh, where we, like I say, we'll be doing an exclusive special. Hopefully, we'll be having a special guest from Action Figure Fury talking about what you can find at the exhibition floor in 2014. 
Thank you very much indeed, and we will see you next Sunday. Bye-bye.